Welcome into the stream, everybody. Appreciate the patience yesterday with uh, the power outage here in the Midwest. I know uh, a lot of people experienced that, unfortunately. And today there was even some uh, some outages uh, and, and not the good ones, not the Bauer outages for all you baseball fans. We'll get into uh, the, the bet situation. As always, these uh, streams brought to you by BUSR.com slash Josh. Get your bets in over there with a sign-up bonus. Uh, we'll get to those, but first, the more important topic today is the the, the Blackhawks and Golden Knights series. Uh, and um, th- there's no better person to preview this series with with at BlackhawksDZen on Twitter. His name is Austin, and he joins me again today. Austin, how you doing, man? I'm good. It's good to talk hockey for another round. Uh, yeah, I didn't think we'd be here, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, in in all in all seriousness, I I did think that they were going to beat Edmonton. Um, I'm happy they did that in four. I didn't think a game five would be uh, advantageous for the Hawks. But um, what are you feeling with this with this Golden Knights series? Uh, it, it's a whole new series with with the Knights. Uh, Oilers were top heavy. I mean, you have the first two lines kind of produce all their offense. The Golden Knights are the exact opposite. They get offense from all four lines. Uh, you got to be careful against each and every player that they have on the ice because each and every player can score and generate offense. So it's it's going to take a complete game by the Blackhawks. I think it's it's definitely going to be a way more challenging series than than the Oilers. That's for sure. I I agree. I think I I saw a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of analysis from from a few different people. I'm not sure if you're aware of uh, the YouTube channel. I think it's I think it's just called the Hockey Guy or Hockey Guy. One of the one of the two. Uh, very very basic videos, but he goes in in depth in uh, in these matchups and the playoff matchups. And one thing that he said that I, I at first didn't agree with, and then I kind of sat on it a little bit and was like, you know what, he might be right. He said. Edmonton sort of beat themselves in that series. There was a lot of imploding with Edmonton, and, and the Hawks were able to take advantage, which obviously you know is is vital in the playoffs. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know, if Edmonton played it, if they played a clean game, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the Blackhawks win that series with Vegas. I don't think they're going to have those opportunities like they did with Edmonton. I I totally agree. I th- one of my notes is they have to capitalize when they have chances. They're not going to get a lot of chances against. The Knights, there's just they're just not there, and the Knights control the play so well that when you do get chances, you have to capitalize. Whether that's on the power play, whether that's greasy goals, which which the Blackhawks don't really do enough of, I don't I don't think. But that that's what it's going to take. You're going to get a lot of low scoring games in this series, where the last series was all, I mean, overs besides the last game. So I think you're going to see a lot closer checking hockey, and I think the the Blackhawks are up for a big challenge because they they don't play that style of hockey. So walk me through a little bit, if you can, how Vegas played in their, um, I, I quote unquote, warm up games in, in the in the pool round uh, that they played in with the top four. Because obviously, you know, when you look back at the regular season, you're like, oh, the Hawks went one, one and one against Vegas. And, you know, it seemed somewhat even aside from that five to one loss that they had, they lost to him in a shootout and then they beat him. Uh, I beat him, I think, five, three in, in Vegas. Um but one of the things that I'm really interested to see is how these teams come out because Vegas didn't really have any pressure. I mean, if they lost, they lost. And, and if if the Hawks lost, they go home. So were you able to, to watch or to catch up on any of the Vegas prelim stuff? Or are we going into this thinking that, hey, it's kind of anybody's game in game one here? I mean, they went they went 3-0, so they earned that top seed. And they played well. I don't know if... 
what that says because I don't know how how uh, much importance the other teams were putting on it. But yeah. they scored 15 goals in three games. That's five goals a game, which is, I mean, for whatever game you're playing, that's still good enough. They even squeaked one out against the Avalanche in their last game, which was really impressive to see. So uh, I do expect the Golden Knights to score first. That's kind of their trademark move. Get a lot of pressure in the first five minutes of a game. Score early, sit on it for a little bit. I think the Blackhawks are going to have to uh, get through that somehow because they're going to come out flying. The Golden Knights don't hold back. And they, I mean, ever since their inception of a team, that's been their mantra. They they come at you with all four lines. So Yeah, and I, and I think one of the one of the things that scares me the most about uh, about Vegas is the fact that they can get contributions uh, you touched on a little bit from I mean from all four lines I mean when you looked at their three prelim uh, I keep calling it that but the, the three exhibition games that they played they got a lot of scoring from a lot of different players I mean if you if you check out any other podcast, any other hockey Twitter account, they're going to say Paul Stastny might be your breakout guy. And if your roster is that loaded to where Stastny is your breakout guy, you're doing pretty well. Alex Tuck is is a guy that scares me, and and I'm not sure a lot of people know too much about him. Um, but I, I think Vegas is one of those teams that you need to have a lead. Like, you, you cannot... Uh, you can't play from behind, and I know you, you touched on it. Vegas is, you know, they're they're a score first type of team. But do you feel any confidence going into this series with the fact that Vegas is? I mean, their goaltending tandem is pretty lethal. Yeah, I think that's that's what all the Blackhawks fans have been talking about lately. And it, Robin Leonard's getting the start, so that kind of played out nicely for for the storylines for those riders there. But I I think in a way. For Corey Crawford, he knows he's the guy. Like that kind of pressure on him, I think he enjoys that, and he knows he has to be the guy. For the Golden Knights, I mean, if Robin Leonard lets in two or three goals early, they're already starting to question what they have in net. And then we know Flurry; he's been in he's a Hall of Fame goalie. He has three Stanley Cups, mm-hmm. but he has some postseasons where he does not look good. So I think Corey Crawford played his best game in that series, and they're their uh, series clinching game. He, he faced 45 shots only led in two goals. So he just got better and better as the games went on. I think he likes to be the guy. And and in this series, he has to be the guy again. If they go down a goal or two, he's going to have to make five, six unbelievable saves to even keep him close. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just, uh, I don't want to feed into it too much, but I'm a little bit too worried about that. Um, about that storyline situation because you know you know Leonard's going to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder playing these Blackhawks but when when you look at your notes here who is a guy and I think I know exactly what you're going to say but who is a guy for the Blackhawks that really needs to step it up we talked about last series how you know the, a lot of these you know Jonathan Taves had an unbelievable series Duncan Keith looks amazing of course um, and obviously Dominic Kubalik's, you know, big series, but who is a guy that, you know, had a lull against Edmonton, but really needs to step it up if the Blackhawks want to win this series. Yeah. There there's two guys in my mind. It's Patrick Kane and Alex to I yep. mean, if you can win a playoff series and play that good of hockey without Patrick Kane playing, I mean, scoring a goal a game, you're in good shape. And if he starts scoring like he can, and they keep getting contributions from other players, you're in the other team's in trouble. Uh, Alex Dabrinkit, he he had an odd series because he's not known much of a, as a playmaker. He kind of is just 
a very good finisher, and he, he struggled this season. And then he had one of those games, he had like two assists in the first period, and he was just clicking with that Kane and Kirby Dock line. So I would love to see Debrinkit get a goal. I think that'd be huge for his confidence, get him clicking. And it's just a matter of time with Patrick Kane. It's a matter of time. He's going to keep shooting, and he'll getting, get his scoring chances. So I wouldn't be surprised if he notches one tonight. I think um, another intriguing matchup for me is Kirby Dock against you know a guy like Mark Stone. Um, I'm just not sure. I mean, a lot of the talk around here is you know Kirby really grew up in that in that series against Edmonton. But I mean, seriously, I, I don't I don't want to you know pat Vegas's back too much. But they're a whole different breed when you're talking about you know the Golden Knights and the Oilers. So I think that's a guy that I'm I'm interested to watch over this uh, over this series and. You know, I would love to sit here and tell you that I'm very confident in this series, but I, this is an unpopular opinion, I don't have the Blackhawks winning this series. I I think it totally swung from the last series. A lot of people wrote the Blackhawks yeah. off against the Oilers, and then the Blackhawks win, surprised a bunch of people, and everybody's like, oh, look at the Hawks. Okay, I'm back on the train. So I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm there with you. Like People are, are kind of getting a little ahead of themselves. I, I picked the Blackhawks in seven. I think their power play showed promise against the Oilers. I think not a lot of people are expecting that. Um, the The Golden Knights penalty kill is nothing special. For a team that deep and a team that has that many role players to not be very good on the penalty kill is surprising. I didn't watch a lot of them, so I don't know why that is. But they were one of the worst teams in the league on the kill. So if the Blackhawks can capitalize on that, score when they have chances, and and do their best to limit the Golden Knights chances. I mean, the Golden Knights get the most scoring chances in the league. That's just what they do. They don't always capitalize. So the Blackhawks have to capitalize when they have chances. They have to. Do you think that um, – there's just a couple more questions for you, but do you think that – I'm starting to think that, you know, before this uh, – before these bubbles started, I didn't think that this would have that much of an effect, but now I do. Not having a home crowd behind you, I think is playing a lot more. Uh, it, it favors the the lower seeded teams a lot more. Um, I, I'm I got to be honest, I wouldn't be confident at all going into Vegas. No, but no. you know, we're on neutral ice here, and it kind of feels like, hey, maybe they got a shot. I know I'm going opposite of what I kind of just said uh, that I don't see the Blackhawks winning the series, but I think it is a big part in hey if we can match their play we don't have to worry about a crowd we don't have to worry about that at all um aside from the the Blackhawks power play showing up against Edmonton one thing that I'm worried about is the penalty kill now I know Edmonton's power play is lethal but 70% against Edmonton's power play and you got you know you got a pretty decent power play in in Vegas I is that something that worries you uh, it, it did until that that game four win for the Blackhawks. I mean, the Oilers scored their first goal, I think it was, with like time expiring on their first power play. So it didn't count as a power play goal. So if you take that into account, the Blackhawks killed all five of their penalty kills against the Oilers. So they definitely have something to build off there. Um, the Golden Knights, they, they're going to throw out five guys who can all score, right? The Blackhawks have Kubalik, Taves, Kane, Keith, you don't he's not really a threat from the back end, but the Golden Knights, they have five guys on the ice who can put the puck in the net. 
Um, that's where you're going to have Crawford have to make some big saves. There's going to be penalties. I mean, we've seen it. They kind of died down a little bit here in the last couple games. Yeah. But you're going to see penalties. They, they're going to have to find ways. It's, gonna, it's not going to be a pretty game. We're going to get a lot of 3-2, three, 3-1 three, games in this series. Okay, so you have the Blackhawks in seven. I'm going to say... You know, at first glance, when I when I took a look at the uh, at at the Golden Knights stat sheet, I'm like, oh, geez, Knights in five. But then I'm like, you know what? Taves looks like he turned back the clock. Crawford, it seems like Crawford, as the playoffs go on, you know, in in history, he gets better. Um, so that's something to think about. Duncan Keith is playing well, and if Patrick Kane shows up, uh, I mean, you never know what can happen. So, as much as I for for my argument's sake, I would say Knights in six. But to your point, I could see this going seven. And hey, you know who knows what can happen in game seven. But as always with these uh, with these streams and podcasts, I have to do which we didn't do last time. But now I have to do it. Uh, I do something here called heat check. Anytime I have a guest, you got to give a hot take. Maybe something uh, something hockey related. Maybe not. It doesn't matter. Do you have any uh, any hot takes out there as we go into this series or, or throughout hockey? So this is I don't know how many Blackhawks fans know, but I'm a big David Camp guy. He's a fourth line center. I call him to score a goal tonight. I think it's his time. He had a breakaway against the Oilers. He got shut down on that. He had a great series. He he played. One of the most minutes against Connor McDavid only allowed one goal during that time. So I think my hot take is David Camp. He finds the back of the net tonight. All right, one. all right, DK with a goal. That'd be uh, look if you're getting that if you're getting some uh, some help on that deep in that deep of your lineup, it feels good. Um, Austin, empty, man, net, empty net goals count too. Have, <laughs> Yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, awesome, man. I really appreciate you jumping on. I know uh, everybody's really amped for the series. Vegas in the playoffs, um, you know, first time they meet. And uh, it, it's going to be an exciting series despite what any what anyone really thinks. I think all of these games are going to be really, really close. Uh, if you are not following Austin on Twitter, he's a great follow, at BlackhawksDZone on Twitter, part of the ONTAP Sportsnet, ONTAPSportsnet.com. All of his analysis you can find on that website. Uh, and again, Austin, man, I really do appreciate it. And uh, let's hope for a Hawks win tonight. Of course, enjoy it. No matter what, enjoy it. We're watching hockey. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Austin, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah, have a good one. All right, uh, there is Austin P. at Blackhawks D-Zone on Twitter. We're going to move on a little bit to uh, more Chicago stuff, White Sox baseball. So over the past, I don't know, week or so, it hasn't felt good. It, it just it hasn't felt good at all. Um, when you look at that Indian series, you just feel like this team forgot their bats against Kansas City. They, they left them at Kauffman Stadium. I don't know what happened. Um, but it, it didn't feel good. You lose that one, uh, you lose that extra inning game, and I have a gripe about the extra inning situation, but I'll leave that alone for now. Um, it, it felt uh, it felt a little panicky. That's what that's what it felt like. And then you know you go on the road against the Detroit team, and I said before that series started, Detroit's playing good baseball right now. This is no uh, this is no slouch. This is no lull in the schedule like like Kansas City was. And then Kansas City, by the way, swept Minnesota. Um, but when you look at the White Sox lineup and all these names, despite all the injuries, despite Edwin Encarnacion being out, uh, despite Eloy Jimenez being over his last nineteen. You just felt like this team is going to break out at some point. And 
it just it didn't happen yesterday. Score one run. Dallas Keuchel had a great start. And now you're like, okay, well, seriously, like what's going on? And then not to mention Jose Abreu, hip soreness. Uh, Leury Garcia sprained thumb. He hit the 10 day disabled list. But today you get Tim Anderson back. Uh, Jose Abreu stays in the game, plays uh, plays first base tonight. And Edwin Encarnacion hits the lineup again, and they score four in the first. Tim Anderson sets the table. Great to have him back lead off walk. Jose Abreu drives him in, and then the two-run bomb um, the, the two-run bomb by Aloy. And then Edwin Encarnacion hits one. And then, you know, a little bit later, more more RBIs. So um, last time I checked, it was 6-2. So if you're watching this live, it could be could be different. Listen to the podcast, could be different. But this White Sox team has a real opportunity to stay in it. And and this is it's unbelievably important to stay in it early because the later you get in September. When you start to play these, uh, when you when you start to play the Cincinnati's and the, and the Cubs, it gets a little bit more important to win those not those uh, non-division games because it's front-loaded. I mean, if you think about it, we've only played not one non-division opponent, and that was Milwaukee, and that was four of your games. So, and here we are playing Detroit. So, after this series. Who knows what's going to happen with COVID and, and the Cardinals situation, but now you go play the Cardinals, not a slouch at all. Um, it just feels like the White Sox need to win these games. And so far, so good. Last time I checked again in Detroit. But uh, I'm just hoping that uh, the little bit of of, uh, of stirring that this Sox offense has done sticks around. Yon Moncada has quietly, very quietly, reached base in every single game that he's played. And it... it it feels like that's also dating back to last year, by the way. It feels like this team is very close as long as they can stay healthy. And I know Steve Stone talked about that a little bit, uh, as well as Jason Benetti on the broadcast is it doesn't really matter talent wise this year. And I know that sounds funny. It just a lot of luck and a lot of health. You have to stay healthy. And it, it just kind of feels like, uh, once they get the health situation figured out and they can stay in their own lane, right? When you have when you have lineup changes in McCann doing this and then, you know, Adam Angle doing this and Robert not in the lineup for, for one of those games and then losing Tim Anderson and now you lose Leary Garcia uh, and in the bullpen situation. You lose Aaron Bummer, who's a staple in your back end. Once the health is restored, then I'll make a, a clear assessment of this team. Because they have yet to be 100% healthy with a full roster for more than, what, two games? Not even? I mean, think about how this rotation looks with Carlos Rodon. I mean, you have Gio Gonzalez. You don't know what you're going to get from him tonight. He had or from, from him in, uh, in starts. Looked good tonight, but there's a lot of uncertainty. And once those injuries flatten out, uh, I'll, again, be ready to make the make that assessment. Um, we're going to switch things up a little bit here in the podcasted version as well as the stream. 
the ad spots that you hear in the beginning will now be uh, here in a couple seconds, but I want to preview what we'll get to next. Uh, more MLB talk with the athletics and Astros situation. I have yet, I know it's a little bit of old news, but I have yet to comment on that. Uh, we'll also get to some football talk, the NFL, what's going on over there, and a couple conferences and NCAA football, as well as fall sports making a decision on those. So uh, we will be back in exactly 90 seconds right here on 90 Nights. From the first pitch to the final buzzer, ONTAP Sportsnet has got you covered for all your Chicago sports needs. Read up on the current state of your team on our website and listen to us banter during our team-specific podcast. Thirsty? We even have beer reviews to help you take the edge off. Follow us on Twitter at ONTAP Sportsnet and get all the content you'll ever need at ONTAPSportsnet.com. ONTAP Sportsnet. It's what's on tap in Chicago. Hey guys, it's Ryan Green, Machine Ebner here from the Big J and BB Show, your source for gaming, anime, and sports news. You can find us on your podcast platform of choice. Just search Big J and BB Show on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. Also find us on Twitter at Big J and BB Show. Now enjoy the next episode and stay breezy. Hello everyone, I'm Undead Rebel, and you could find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash undeadrebel. You'll see a variety of content on stream, including sporting news, but my channel is more focused around video game content and playthrough of the hottest and newest video games currently out now. So, can't wait to see you in the stream to watch some epic fails, have some laughs, and maybe some OMG moments. Enjoy the rest of the show. Back here on Natty Nights. Appreciate you uh, being patient through that short little break. Uh, if you are interested in any of those ad spots, $4.99 a month, you can uh, promote your podcast, promote your Instagram account, your YouTube, Twitter, who cares? If your cat's got a Twitter, I don't know. Whatever you want to promote, $4.99 a month. If you can't do the, uh, the production of any of that, uh, I'll be happy to do that. Just one small, small flat rate fee. I get everything taken care of for you. It'll sound professional, the whole nine. Um, so hit me up on Twitter at Josh Barlog if you're interested, and uh, we'll get you set up with that. Okay, so the uh, continuing to develop story of the athletics and Astro situation, um, <laughs> Ramon Liriano hit with two pitches uh, over the weekend against the Astros, and the second one, Standing at first base, John back with back and forth with the Astros dugout, and Alex Cintron, the Astros hitting coach, apparently said something about his mom, which caused uh, Ramon Liriano to uh, charge the dugout. Bench is clear. I mean, look, I know that there's going to be people that, uh, and, and there has been people. This is is sort of old news, but it's developing for for a reason, and I'll get it, I'll get into that in a second. But there's people that are like, Liriano should have just stayed on first. You know, the game's bigger than him, blah, blah, blah. But um, Chris Bassett said it. If I, Am I blanking on that name? Chris or Jeff Bassett? I'm, I'm blanking. I apologize. But one of the A's pitchers said, look, this feels like everybody against the Astros in, in throughout the American and National League. This feels like the, no one feels like the Astros got the right punishment. So it feels like everybody against them. And when you know when you when you hit two guys, that's what's going to happen. When you hit a guy twice, I'm I'm sorry. Um another thing that he said was, look, 
if you put the shoe on the other foot, what if we hit the hit 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 an Astros player twice? I mean, Joe Kelly got eight games. He didn't even hit anybody. And <laughs> I I I hate to say it, but he's right. I mean, this is this is this is Major League Baseball protecting the Houston Astros. So Liriano got five games, and Alex Cintron did get the he got the brunt of it. He got twenty game suspension. Uh, and here we are. I, I know the A's have played 17 games already um, and and have the best record in the major leagues, by the way. And the Astros are sitting under 500. I believe they're, you know, four or five games under 500. Um, fact check me on that. But, I mean, that's a lot of games. That That's a lot of games. So here's, here's my take on the whole situation. Uh, I 100% support Liriano. I know that that Major League Baseball wants to stay away from you know brawls, especially with COVID going on and and all of that. But look, you can only take so much, and it's not like uh, there aren't there really aren't many players in Major League Baseball. And I know that there's there's players out there that are hot headed. I get that, but it takes something serious to sprint from first base. To the, uh, to the opposing dugout. It takes a lot. There's a difference between stepping off the bag and maybe jawing back and forth. He sprinted from first base to the Astros dugout, ready to fight Alex Cintron. So whatever this guy said was clearly out of line. And look, you just can't have coaches provoking players like that. I mean, I know players and players on players, they do it. But having a, a hitting coach who wasn't a great hitter in the majors, by the way, provoke a player, it's just we don't have time for that. <laughs> we don't have time for that. And and it just makes Houston look even worse because, in my opinion, going into this season, it felt like Houston continued their cocky little attitude like it doesn't matter. We're still, you know, we're still a hell of a team and blah, blah, blah. You know, nobody can touch us. We're immune to all this stuff. And they just carried themselves with a disgusting demeanor. And, I mean, a lot of players have said it's going to come to them. Karma will, the karma train's coming, and it's coming fast, and it's not stopping. So, that's my take on that. But here's why this story is, is kind of developing still. Ramon Liriano elected to appeal his five-game suspension. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, when you appeal a suspension in Major League Baseball, this could be in other sports as well, but I know this for sure in Major League Baseball. So let's say he gets his suspension yesterday, right? So yesterday being Monday. If he, fi- if he filed that appeal today, he can still play until his suspension, until his appeal is either dropped or rejected. So Liriano is going to continue to play until he is actually suspended or he drops his appeal. And a lot of people are saying, and this is probably true, that Liriano is strategically doing that because he wants to play the division games. He wants to play the Angels. He wants to play the Mariners and the Astros. He wants to play these really meaningful games to try and win that division, uh, the Rangers as well, to try and solidify their spot at the top of the division, to, to have that high seed. And... Honestly, I don't know who told him to do that, but it's genius. It's absolutely genius. Especially especially when you know that like you're on Houston's hit list now. 
it just it's got to just seethe in Houston's veins that Liriano is continuing to play and that his his appeal is the only thing the only thing that's keeping him on the field right now so bravo Mr. Liriano I don't, again I don't know maybe your agent told you I don't know but it's it's awesome it's awesome I'm I'm team Liriano on this situation and uh for lack of a better term excuse my language but fuck the Astros so um, let's move on to a little bit of uh, football talk. I know people are anxious to get to this Blackhawks game, as am I. Puck drop 9.30 Central Time, uh, I believe NBC Sports Network. So the NFL, and I'm just going to touch on this a little bit. I'm not going to get political. Yes, I am. Donald Trump said that uh, it would be, <laughs> it would just, it would be terrible. It'd be the worst, the worst situation ever if the NFL didn't come back. It would also be terrible. And get out, by the way. Get out if you're if you're gonna do this. No kneeling in the NFL. If you kneel, you're gone. Now wait a second. Sound like a dictatorship a little bit. Just just a little. I mean, I just I don't know. You're you're kind of ruining how do I say this? You're kind of ruining what the NFL could possibly have. I mean, think about this. Regardless of if you have uh, fans in the stands at NFL games, and there are some teams that have already said 25% capacity, this is what we're doing, and we're going to move on this way. But if you think about it, a lot of players... Okay, so let's say he really follows through with this. I'm, I'm thinking out loud here. This is why I'm a little little scattered. If Donald Trump is serious about players being like, I'm kneeling, okay, wait, what do you mean? I'm gone, I'm suspended for the rest of the year? You're taking away probably some pretty big names whom fans like. And if said player isn't in the game, said person, said fan isn't going to watch. So you're probably hurting the NFL's pocket by doing that. And I'm sure Roger Goodell is like, hey, man, we're trying to turn a new leaf here. We're trying to play into the PR hand of, of you know, we actually care, which I really don't think they do, to be honest with you. So I'm sure there's a conversation there. There has to be because, I mean, Trump is, uh, I think he's hurting their pockets a little bit. Uh, and, and look, I'll end with uh, some more NFL, or I'm sorry, some more football talk, but this one I'm, I'm in agreement with. So the Big Ten has announced that they are canceling their fall sports, including football, uh, as did the MAC, as did the Pac-12. And they'll they'll reassess in the spring. Maybe they'll play spring ball. Maybe not. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Now the uh, the the one that in the bunch that isn't really for it is Nebraska. So Nebraska's head coach, Coach Frost, uh, Frost or Frost, I could be. I think it's Frost. Um, could be. He could be looking for more opportunity to play. Now I don't know if that means like, hey, we'll just go play in another conference, or. We'll, we'll play a non-conference. I don't, I don't know how that would work, but Nebraska is a school in the Big Ten that is like, hey, I mean, they're going to do whatever they're going to do, but we want to play. So I would love to talk to somebody about, uh, about this situation because how does that play into, like how, how do they do it? Like a team like Nebraska, and let's just say, let's call it football here. How do they run these COVID tests? Do they, do they get some sort of break because they're an institution to make it cheaper for them? I don't understand how this works. I really don't. 
And that's why a lot of these conferences are canceling their seasons because it's like, hey, look, we're not going to run the risk of infecting damn near our whole student body if they're if they're actually enrolled in 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 live classes and also we're not going to have you know 65 to 70 guys be practicing it's just not going to work you already saw it to a couple months ago uh lsu and alabama i mean I i don't understand this thing is no joke i don't i don't get it i really don't get it and it leads me to the sec and the acc are like hey look we're going to keep our plans we're keeping our plans we're going to play if we if we can do the non if we can do the conference only schedule we're going to play i'm just missing it i'm missing where i'm missing where you think that's a good idea i mean look you can't keep you, you can barely keep major league baseball players in line following protocol you really think you're going to be able to keep college kids on in protocol i don't think so i mean if they want to do a bubble like that would be interesting if you could make it to where these kids do classes online only and everybody's in a bubble go for it nobody in nobody out that could be tough but seems like the best way to go which Here's a bullet point. I'll actually end on this because I forgot when I was talking about the Ramon Liriano situation. Major League Baseball wants to uh, go to a bubble, possibly a couple bubbles for the uh, for the MLB playoffs. Did we not say this that this was a good idea to even start? Like, so basically, what Rob Manfred is 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 basically implying with this possible situation is. Yeah, uh, the regular season's not going too great. Um, we can't really have any teams drop off in the playoffs, so we're going to do a bubble. Now, all uh, again, hypothetically, it's just, I'm not even sure if it's on the table yet. These are just floated ideas. But a lot of people were saying, hey, uh, the NHL doesn't have any COVID cases right now. Uh, the NBA doesn't have any COVID cases right now. Um Maybe it'd be a good idea to follow suit and do a bubble. And everybody's like, no, that's too hard. That's too hard. I can't, no. I can't do a bubble. That's too stressful. Uh, really? So I was talking to somebody today about the bubble situation and how very simple it could actually be. So the MLB has a 16-team playoff situation that they're headed into. The NHL has 24 So, you know, you have 12 teams in the East, 12 teams in the West for the NHL. One bubble, obviously, for the NBA. But you can't sit here and tell me that even if you did two bubbles, one in California, one in New York, or one in California, one in Chicago, or hell, even three. I'm talking for the regular season. Even three. L.A., Chicago, New York, two baseball parks in each city. You got some minor league situations going on around the, around the park, not not very far. It doesn't seem too difficult. You would have to coordinate the the, the game times. Games would be played at, at odd hours, but you got to do what you got to do. And so now they're talking about you know doing two bubbles for the MLB playoffs. Um, you know maybe Florida, California, or or some situation, again, New York, California, 
or all of California, which I saw, which I I don't necessarily agree with, uh, but hey, it is what it is. So that's going to wrap up the show today. Again, I know that everybody's anxious to get to this Blackhawks-Knights game. Again, puck drop 930. Um, I just wanted to cover those situations. Uh, Ryan at Big JBB Show on Twitter will join the show uh, hopefully Friday. I know that his his work schedule changed a little bit because of these power outages. Uh, Duke Coughlin at that pod guy Duke on Twitter will join the show on Thursday. The uh, Blackhawks game is at 4:30 on Thursday, which is not cool for a lot of people that have to work. But hey, it is what it is. Uh, so again, Duke will join the show Thursday, eight o'clock Central Time to talk Blackhawks. He'll join for the entire show, by the way, which. We're all pretty excited about, but uh, again, that'll wrap it up. I appreciate you guys tuning into the live stream. Appreciate you listening to the podcast, uh, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you're listening, like, rate, and subscribe, uh, and also share with a friend. We've gotten a lot of listens and plays over the past week or so. I'm not completely sure what's going on, but hey, I'm not going to complain. So again, I appreciate the support, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.